0: Do you use a smart device in your home or at work? Try saying this. Alexa, play the latest episode of Awaken to Grace with Chad Roberts podcast. i'm so glad you're joining me on today's episode of awaken to grace we are in matthew chapter 5 verse 41 we're studying only one verse of scripture today but i cannot believe how much truth is packed into two short phrases this one simple verse you know the truth that we're going to see today what i'm calling extra mile thinking or the second mile thinking the truth that we're going to see today literally has the power to transform your life, to transform your marriage, to transform your work environment, to transform your attitude. Well, I hope that you learn as much as I learned preparing for today's episode. I hope you enjoy Awakened to Grace. Well, I want to share with you today a message that I want to call second mile thinking. Now, going the extra mile, going the second mile is common in our culture, correct? I mean, we know know that language. It's not unfamiliar to us. What some of you may not realize is that this thought actually originated with Jesus in his famous Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was the most fascinating, the most intriguing, the most interesting, the most important sermon that has ever been preached in the history of all of humanity, and it was preached by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Several times this year we have referenced the the Sermon on the Mount, several times we've looked at Matthew chapter 5, and I feel the Lord drawing my heart back to it again today, and today we're going to be in verse 41. Now, as most of you know, I'm completely blind, and I try to memorize all of the Scripture that I preach. Well, today is a very short and simple assignment for me. It's only one verse. Matthew 5 41. Sometimes the Lord has me preach large sections and I go, oh Lord, that's a lot of scripture. But today's very simple. Maybe, maybe short of Jesus wept, it would be the simplest to memorize. And let me, let me say a word right here about memorizing scripture. You know, the Lord would have us memorize his word. Do you know that? He would have us put it to heart. It's what it means when the Bible says, hide the word in your heart that you might not sin against God. It's what it means by being transformed by the renewing of your mind, not being conformed to the image of this world. And yet sometimes memorizing the Bible for many of us feels intimidating, doesn't it? It feels like it's hard and it's nothing but work and it's so big, and it's so bulky. But do you know that's really not true? If you pay attention to almost all verses in the Bible, if you pay close attention, do you know that almost all of them are only two or maybe three phrases, and that's it? That's usually all that a verse is. And when you memorize the Word of God, you're memorizing phrases. And it's not that intimidating and it's not that bulky and it's not that hard. So I want to challenge you as we look to the end of the year and we look to the first of next year, make memorizing Scripture a priority for you. Begin to soak your mind in it. Begin to hide it within your heart. And I'll tell you, I promise you, what a difference it'll make in your life. So only one verse today, Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. Jesus says... If someone forces you to go one mile, then go with him two miles. Now, you and I read that today and we think, well, okay, Jesus is saying we'll go the extra mile. It does not have quite the impact on us than it did Jesus' audience back then. You have to understand who Jesus was speaking to on the Sermon on the Mount. You have to understand a little bit, a little bit of, the, of the culture of Jesus, of his day. Jesus was born into a world that was ruled and dominated by the Roman Empire. And when it came to the land of Israel, they were occupied by Rome. They did not want Rome there. They did not want soldiers there. They did not want their rule, and they most certainly did not want their taxes. And the people of Israel hated the Roman Empire and they despised the Roman soldiers. And they despised the taxes that the emperor Tiberius at this time imposed upon the Jewish people. So there was a great deal of hatred there. And as a matter of fact, everybody around Jesus, including his closest followers, they thought that the purpose of the coming of Christ was to establish the kingdom of Israel. Even after Jesus died, after he was buried and after he raised from the dead, they thought he was going to establish Israel. You see it in Acts chapter one, but then the Bible says that Jesus spent 40 days after his resurrection, between his resurrection and the day of Pentecost, and Jesus spent 40 days talking to his followers. And you know what he talked about? Didn't talk about church. Church. Didn't talk about growth, didn't talk about leadership, didn't talk about financing or budgeting. Do you know what he talked about? The kingdom of God. And do you know that from Acts chapter one, that's the last time that we see mention of the kingdom of Israel? No, from then on, they got the right perspective. And they understood why Jesus came. They understood why he died and why he rose again. And then from there on, everything is about the kingdom of God. So when Jesus says to a Jewish audience, when Jesus said to them, if someone forces you to go one mile, go two. You have to understand, and I'm going to explain to you why in a moment. You have to understand every Jewish man And every Jewish boy was stunned and shocked. I picture Peter, picture Peter being a big old burly man. (laughs) I picture him with a big beard and just hairy all over and deep voice. and, And I picture him looking at Andrew or John and saying, what did he just say? This was shocking. Let me explain to you why. Let me back up even before the time of Christ. Cyrus Eighth, in 500 BC invented, at least they credit him, with inventing the postal system. Did you know that? He's the one who came up with the idea that Letters could be carried by couriers and that they could establish mail routes and circulate letters and information. That was 500 years before Christ came to the earth. When the Roman Empire came along shortly before Christ was born, then they also incorporated this idea of a postal service and what the Roman Empire did is that they established 50,000 roads throughout the vast Roman Empire. And not only did they establish 50,000 roads, but what they would do is they would take stones and they would make what historians call guide markers or guideposts. And every guidepost along roads would tell you where you were. It would also give pertinent information if there were danger, if it was a dangerous or treacherous road. And it would always tell you, among these 50,000 roads, it would always tell you how far, how many miles you were from Rome itself. Thus the saying, all roads lead to Rome. Rome. This is the world that Jesus was born into. And what they did along with these roads and these routes and these guideposts, well, what became law in the Roman Empire was that soldiers were all over the Roman Empire. And the soldiers that were stationed in Israel, particularly to the audience of Jesus, It was Roman law, not Jewish law, but Roman law, that if a soldier told you to carry his bag and a Roman soldier's backpack was not unlike our military today, I asked Brett Tucker, who served overseas in the Middle East this morning, I said, Brett, how heavy was your backpack when you served in the military? He said, probably about 50 pounds. The average Roman soldier backpack weighed 66 pounds. And it was Roman law that if a soldier summoned you, if he said, carry my bag, you had to take that burden on your back and by law, you had to carry it one Roman mile, which was about a thousand paces. A little shorter than our mile today, but nonetheless, a mile. And so it was very common in the day of Jesus That all over the little towns and all over the little villages, you would often see stakes in the ground. And do you know what the stakes were there for? Young Jewish boys and men would count out a thousand paces either direction from their home. And they knew that when a Roman soldier said, carry my bag, they would carry it to that stake and not a step further. It was despised. It was expected. It was a burden. It was law that you had to carry that heavy, nearly 70-pound bag for one mile. And Jesus tells his audience... He tells these men who no doubt many of them had shouldered that burden. And Jesus says to them something shocking. He says, if someone says, go one mile, no, go two miles. Now, why would you suppose that in the most important sermon ever preached in the history of mankind, why would you think Jesus would tell us this? These are called the retaliatory verses. If you skip up two or three verses above, it will say, if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to the right and let them strike the other one. Why would you say that, Jesus? If someone sues you for your outer garment, well then give them your inner garment. If someone forces you to go one mile Go with them too. Why would Jesus want to teach us this? Is Jesus saying to just appease people? Is he saying just be weak? (laughs) I wouldn't mind to see Jesus teach us to a redneck audience, right? I wonder what they would say. What's Jesus saying? That we're to be weak people and just let people take advantage of you? Let people walk all over you and just appease them? You know, that's actually the exact opposite of what Jesus is teaching. What I want to talk to you today about is second mile thinking. I want to propose to you today that the greatest works that God will do in our life is not in the first mile. Not in the things that are required of us. Not in the things that are expected of us. No, no. The things that God will truly work in us. The glory that God will truly get out of us. The works that God really wants to reveal through us is not found in the first mile. It's found in the second mile. How many of us today that when it comes to our work life, we're all about the first mile? We'll do only that which is expected. How many of us even in our marriages, if we think about it, we're all about the first mile. We only do what is required of us. And I bet that if we really think about it today and we really let this verse sink into our hearts today and into our minds today, into our spirits today, I bet what you and I will truly find in our life is that there are stakes set out everywhere. That in reality, you and I don't go past those Stakes. And so you have to understand what Jesus is really saying. If you go one mile, that's not just one mile, that's two miles because you've got to walk back. <laughs> if you go two miles, that's really four miles because you have to walk back. But yet Jesus is going to teach us this is where God is glorified the most. If you will, picture with me, let's just put ourselves there. And let's just say that you are a young Jew. And let's just say that you are working out in the fields. Let's say you're working your land. And after a long day, a hard day's worth of work, you're ready to retire for the afternoon. And let's say that a Roman soldier summons you and says, you, come, carry this. You know the law, he knows the law. And you are to carry that heavy bag, that burden, for a thousand paces a Roman mile. But let's just suppose that you know Jesus Christ. (laughs) Let's suppose that you had an encounter with the gospel and it has changed and revolutionized your life. And one of your greatest joys is to tell others about the gospel of Jesus. One of your greatest joys is to share with people how Christ has changed your life. And there you go walking with the Roman soldier with his burden strapped to your back. Is that fair? No. Is it just? know and there in the distance you see the stake in the ground and he sees the stake in the ground and you both know what that means you'll not take one step past that stake and he knows that and you come to the stake and while he's ready for you to hand over the 70 pound bag you say let's keep going What in the world would that soldier think? What would that soldier say to you? Why would you do this? And perhaps on the first mile, you talked a little, you chatted. Where are you from? What's your family like? What's Rome like? Where all have you traveled to? What wars have you fought? But let me tell you, You walk past that stake into that second mile. And guess what? That soldier's going to want to hear what you have to say. Why would you do this? Why would you go this extra length? And that's where you would have such an opportunity to say, well, I follow what's called the gospel. And the gospel teaches me. Jesus teaches me to not go one mile, but go two. Because that's what Christ's followers do. And there along the way, you share the gospel with that Roman soldier. Let me tell you what I want to do when I get to heaven. One of the things that I want to do throughout eternity is I want to find out how many soldiers, how many Roman soldiers there are in heaven because of the second mile. I want to know how many people came to Christ during those conversations because Jesus taught, don't just go the first mile, go the second mile. And do you realize, my friends, that you and I have the same opportunity today? How many people could you attract to Jesus Christ? How many people could you attract to the gospel if you changed the way you thought, you changed the way you lived, and you didn't just do the bare minimum? You didn't do only what is required, but no, you began to do the second mile in your life. And instead of resenting people that put their burdens on you or resenting people that put wrong expectations on you, what if you changed your attitude and began to go the second mile with those people? Could it be that God would begin to do a new level of work in our lives if we began to go the second mile? God has challenged me with this this week, and and I've asked the Lord, God, help me, show me, how do I, how do I begin to live this second mile? How do I begin to think the second mile? And you know what the Lord told me? Boy, the Lord wore me out this week. We finished the 9 a.m. service and a lady came up to me and said, well, that's an attitude adjustment I'm going to have to have. (laughs) I said, I've had it all week. (laughs) The Lord's worn me out all week. You know what the Lord told me? You want to begin to think second mile thinking? You want to begin to live second mile living? Then change your attitude. Let me tell you, to change your attitude is no easy task, is it? Can somebody say amen? Amen. Well, let me say, for other people to change their attitudes, no easy task. Can you say amen? amen? But you know it can be done. And you know what the Lord began to show me? Chad, you know why your attitude can change? Because if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And the Lord began to ask me, Chad, do you believe I've changed your nature? Oh, yes. Oh, God, yes, you have. Well, Chad, if I can change your nature, can I not change your attitude? What a small thing for me to do, to change a person's nature. Let me tell you, I can change their attitude just as well. Amen. Amen. So don't sit there and say, well, this is how my parents were and it's how I am. No. Well, this is how I grew up. No. Well, it's just how I'm wired. No. You're a new creation. Live like you're a new creation. Let your attitude reflect that you're a new creation. And submit in all of our submitting to the Lord, submit your attitude to the Lord. And listen, I think if we will go down this path, if we will begin to walk this path of God, I submit my attitude to you. Do you know what we'll find? I think we'll find stakes everywhere. Stakes that we were not willing to go one step further. Mm -mm. That doesn't glorify God, my friends. It doesn't glorify God when you just do The bare minimum. When you just do what is expected. When you simply do what is required. No, it's the second mile that most glorifies God. So can you change your attitude? Yes. I began to think about the scripture be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Do you know how wonderful that word transformed there is? It literally means it's where we get our English word "metamorphosis, which is the transformation of a lowly, earthbound, furry, ugly caterpillar into a majestic, beautiful, heaven-bound butterfly. What a transformation. Amen. And when the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you know what it's speaking of there? It's speaking of metamorphosis. The fact that God will transform you out of an ugly, hairy caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly. Can you picture God doing that to your attitude today? How many spouses are just going, Amen. Hey, man, my spouse needs to hear this. <laughs> How many of us are thinking of other people right now and going, oh, I hope they're watching online. No, 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 no. What about you today? What about me today? What in my attitude, what is it in your attitude that needs To change. Let me tell you what will carry you further in life than anything else when it comes to attitude. An attitude of gratitude. Amen. Amen. They sang that wonderful song in the 9 a.m. service. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One who has given Jesus Christ his Son. Amen. An attitude of gratitude will change your life like nothing else. And you know what you'll find? Instead of resenting difficult people, instead of resenting people that dump things on you, instead of resenting coworkers and family members and other people who perhaps put their expectations on you, well, you know what? No, you'll you'll begin to gain a different attitude, a different perspective. And instead of going the one mile that's required, you'll begin to go two miles. And it's in the second mile that God will open up conversations. It's in the second mile that God begins to open up hearts. It's in the second mile that God begins to truly glorify himself through your life. I want to be that kind of person, don't you? I want to change my attitude that God can use me the way that he desires. When I think about a young Jewish boy or a man, I think about what an interruption that was to his life. You know, I live just a little over three miles away from the church. I can't imagine coming back from lunch break and I've got a lot to finish, got a lot to to get done. I mean, it's just a little over three miles. And I can't imagine somebody coming up to me and saying, Hey, Chad, uh, I need you to walk to your house. (laughs) I'd be like, I can't. Number one, physically, I don't think I can do that. Isn't that sad? Isn't that awful? (laughs) Anyways, I won't go there. But I would say, I don't have time for it. What an interruption into my day that would be. What an interruption into my life. And you know what I think God is saying to us? No, see, when you have second mile thinking, God turns interruptions into invitations. For Jesus Christ, He'll take the interruptions that seem like such an inconvenience, that seems like such an annoyance to you, and He'll turn them into invitations. He'll turn them into talking to people about the gospel and about Jesus. And see, if you're somebody that you find joy in talking to people about Jesus, let me tell you, there's no greater invitation to do it than in the second mile. So what opportunities are ahead of you? Where can you take advantage of this? Some of you work in a difficult work environment. Some of you work in an environment where everything that falls through the cracks lands on you. Some of you work in an environment where your boss has unrealistic expectations. Some of you work in an environment that's tense and a lot of friction. Let me tell you what will help you the most have second mile thinking. Some of you employ people, and you employ difficult people, and you have strains working with people. Let me tell you the best way to serve them. Second mile thinking. Some of you right now, your marriage is just in a difficult place, and you don't know how to get out of it. Some of you are just in, you're in a place where you're questioning if things don't change, Will we survive? Let me tell you what will help you second mile thinking. What would you do different for your spouse this week if you actually entered into second mile thinking and living? How would you act different around your house? How would things be different if if you were about second mile thinking? Listen, my friends, these are things, we're not just talking about spiritual church matters. I'm, this is practical. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you can take the word of God and make it as literal and practical as the way you treat your spouse, as the way you interact with your coworkers, as the way that you treat your boss or you treat your employees. This is as real as it gets in the Word of God. And I want to take advantage of it. See, this scripture, this one verse teaches me I can take the obligations of my life. And do we not have many obligations? We do, don't we? All of us. Many responsibilities. And we can take those many obligations and we can turn them into opportunities. It's the second mile thinking. And see, some some would read this and they would say, well, this is appeasement and it's weakness. No, it's it's actually quite the opposite. And if you can come into a place where you're not looking at people as though they're taking advantage of you, you're not looking at people as though they're throwing their expectations on you. No, you look at people as, no, this is an opportunity to show Jesus to them. So let me ask you a question today. Could it be that God has you in the life of a difficult person so you can show them more of the love of God? Second mile thinking would say yes. Could it be that God has you in a very difficult circumstance so that people would see Jesus in you more clearly? Second mile thinking would say yes. Could it be that God has you in a very difficult circumstance today so that Jesus is more perfectly formed in you? Second mile thinking would say, absolutely yes. Don't despise the opportunities to go the second mile. So while you and I may not have soldiers today telling us to carry their bags for the second mile, We still have challenges. We still have people who treat us poorly. We still have people who expect too much out of us. We still have people who would try to steal from us and try to take from us. Jesus teaches us in this chapter how to treat such people. I encountered this like never before back in 2009 Before I lost eyesight, I traveled a great deal in missions. I've been to about 40 countries sharing the gospel. And out of all of my travels through all the countries I've been through, I had never been robbed, never had anything stolen until my third or fourth time in Tijuana. And Sadie and I hadn't been married but maybe a year she was pregnant with Piper. She was, she was actually about six months pregnant with Piper. I, you'll understand why I laugh in just a minute. Um, and remember, you're on my side on this story, okay? Don't forget that. <clears throat> and I have a group there from the church. We probably have about 15 with us. And we decide to eat at a taco stand, delicious taco stand. And we were probably no more than 15 feet away from the van And thieves popped the lock on the van and stole my satchel. Well, you know what was inside my satchel? It had my very nice laptop. It had a couple of my favorite books that I had brought to read. It had my absolute favorite Bible. It had $1,500 for ministry money. We were going to buy beans and rice and distribute to the poor. And I had Sadie's passport. <laughs> well, you can imagine, I'm tired. I hadn't slept. I was up all night the night before. We had traveled all night, and I hadn't slept, and this was dinner time, real late in the evening. And, uh, and now my, my bag has been stolen, the only time anywhere in the world, anything had ever been stolen. And it was not like I was just by myself. I was responsible for 15 other people. And my wife's passport was in there. And she's six months pregnant. To which I told her, I said, honey, if they won't let you across the border, I promise you, the church will support you as a missionary. We'll send you money every month. She didn't think it was near as funny as I did. I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) Well, to let her get across the border, we had to go to the police station. If you're ever in Tijuana at midnight, you should go to the police station. It is a happening place, I tell you. So we go to the police station at midnight to fill out the the lost, you know, the stolen report, whatever. And I'm so mad, right? I'm going, this is a waste of time. They're already in San Diego spending that $1500. And I'm mad, and I'm agitated, and I'm irritated, and I've had no sleep, and I'm just mad. And by the time we leave the police station with a police report that's not going to do us any good, so I thought, think, we're headed back to the orphanage, and it's 1 a.m., and we're driving, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and stuns me, and the Holy Spirit says, Why don't you bless those thieves and just give them everything in your bag? (laughs) I can't do that. They stole from me. The Holy Spirit said, why don't you give it to them? Now, let me, t- let me just tell you where my mind was. When the Lord spoke to me, I didn't just go, well, hallelujah, praised you, Jesus. I think I'll do that. Bless the name of the Lord. It made me more mad. You want me to give these thieves? I couldn't fathom it. I wonder if it's a little bit how... The audience of Jesus felt when he said, if you're forced to go one, go two. And I said, but God, they stole from me. And God said, not really. God said, think about it, Chad. Everything in that bag was mine. It was gospel. That laptop you own, what do you do with it? You do church work with it. Those books you love, it's gospel. That Bible you love, it's gospel. That $1,500 in there was ministry money. It wasn't yours. You're no more than a steward, Chad. The Lord said, those are my things, and I want you to give it to them. Huh. It was a long ride to the orphanage, and I had a lot of time To wrestle with the Lord. But by the time we got there, I agreed with the Lord. And I was able, with my heart of hearts, I was able to say, Lord, I bless those thieves and I give them every single item in that bag, including the bag. It's theirs. Bless them with it. And you know what? It didn't stop there. I began praying for them. I began to pray, and God, may they take that Bible, and God, may you convict them when they see that Bible. Convict them, Lord. May cause them to read that Bible. God, will you speak to their hearts, and would you convert them, God? Let this act of wickedness turn into an act of salvation on their behalf and save them in the name of the Lord. second mile thinking. It's second mile living. See, someone cannot steal from you what you're willing to give away. And see, this is the point of what Jesus is saying. If someone strikes you, turn to the right and let them strike you again. If someone sues you, give them what you have. Why would Jesus teach such crazy things. Do you know why? It's because Jesus is teaching us to live for the glory of God and not for ourselves. To make a long story short, I ended up, because I was only in Tijuana, I was close to the border. Can you believe this? My homeowner's insurance Covered every bit of it. Even the $1,500 stolen. Can you believe that? My homeowner's insurance covered me because I was like within 100 miles of the U.S. border. Craziness. But see, that's not the point. The point is I was able to win that war. I was able to win that battle because I let that stuff go. I didn't didn't put a stake in the ground and say, I won't go past this stake. No. I released it in Jesus' name. What do you need to let go of today? What do you need to release today? How has someone hurt you that you need to let it go? Let it go. And I bet That just like me and like all of us, I bet there are stakes in your life today that somewhere in your heart you've said, I'll not go a step past. No. Jesus is saying to you today, go two miles. Two miles. Some of you don't understand why you're frustrated spiritually. Maybe it's because you're doing the bare minimum. Some of you don't know why God isn't more real in your life. Maybe because you're just doing the bare minimum. Some of you don't know why you're not blessed financially. Maybe you're just doing the bare minimum. What would happen if you began to go the second mile? Some of you hate your work. You hate your job. Maybe it's because you're just doing the bare minimum. Let me tell you, my friends, this one principle has enough power, it has enough gospel power in it to absolutely change your life. It'll change your work life. It'll change your married life. It'll change your finances. It'll change everything if you'll begin to go the second mile. Remember, God does His best work in the second mile. So what work are you missing out on? What are you missing out that God would be doing, could be doing right now? But there's a stake there. I can feel it. I can, hear, I can hear the Holy Spirit telling me. There's a stake from your past that you've never forgiven. Friends, it's time you go that second mile. There's a stake there that you've said I'll never cross it, but it's time. It's time. It's time to once and for all let go of what happened to you so long ago. It's time to let go. God, give us grace today. Holy Spirit, administer your grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, I feel the Holy Spirit. God, breathe your life today. Breathe your life. Breathe forgiveness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I even hear the Lord telling me that someone has even asked God to remove the frustration out of your life. And the Holy Spirit is saying today, go the second mile. Go the second mile. You're frustrated because you do the bare minimum why you're frustrated you just do the bare minimum and God is saying today go the second mile so God give us grace to respond give us your great help today Holy Spirit don't let us settle don't let us just do what is that which is required But let us go far and beyond into those realms of grace, grace upon grace. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, God, I want to live in your grace. I want you to cause all grace to abound toward me, that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that I may abound in every good work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, work in my life. Work in my life. Work in me that you may work through. don't let me despise the second mile don't let me despise the effort that you are worthy of the effort oh God that you deserve don't let me cheat the glory of God don't let me steal or rob the glory of God by not going the second mile establish these things in us that every day be lived to the glory of God that our marriages would mirror the great glory of God that our work lives would be satisfying and fulfilling because we glorify Jesus that our spiritual lives are rich and meaningful and deep because we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ that our friendships are meaningful rich and deep so for all of us Lord that do what's required take us the next steps and let us go beyond